A popular outcast production. Hi, uh, welcome to the uh, Portable Power Podcast, Episode 8. It's uh, September 22nd, and it's a great autumn day outside where I am right now. Same here. Yeah, also with me. So, Kevin, apart from the weather, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, well, I'm doing even better because of the weather, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing quite well in my own right. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, and what are you drinking? I'm going back to an old standby, um, Glenlivet 12-year single malt scotch. That sounds delightful. We were just tasting some scotch last night, uh, me and my roommates. Yeah, what were you What were you trying? I don't remember what kind it was, but it was delicious. It has a tendency to be that. Yeah. <laughs> I know not knowing the name of it is like saying I just fail at drinking, so... Or you really succeeded at drinking. <laughs> <laughs> And apart from uh, apart from mobile games, what are you playing, Kevin? Right now, I'm playing The Legend of Zelda: The Wind Waker HD on. Yes. Yeah, I got my I got my bundle on Friday with my uh, special Zelda Wii U controller, and I really haven't been doing much else this weekend. I, I the couple times that I've left the house, I've resented it. You know, I've. I've checked my friends list a couple times over the past like two days, mm-hmm. and you're you are always online playing Wind Waker. Yeah, it's wonderful <laughs> yeah. to see. It's it's an amazing game, and you know I mean I I played it on GameCube, you know back when it was new, and like I I remember really liking it. It's still my favorite 3D Zelda. Yeah. But like replaying it is kind of like you know revisiting a favorite book where like like I kind of like despite the cartoony art style like I'd forgotten how melancholy that game is. Yeah, oh yeah, it really is. Like it's 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 pretty it's pretty touching at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a whole landscape desolated by water. Yeah. Is desolate a word? Yeah, it is weird. Spoiler yeah. alert! Gee. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's oh like, no, nobody knew that there was an ocean in the world. <laughs> there's like a 10-year statute of limitation on no. spoilers, so we're right no, over the is. line. I don't know, it's, I mean, a lot of people are playing this for the first time, you have to think, right? Yeah, that's I probably suppose true. some younger people, but not a lot of younger people can listen to this podcast. That's a good or point. Or they shouldn't be listening to this podcast. They're going to grow yeah, up like just, us. It's <laughs> Well, if they are listening to it, it's shoddy parenting. <laughs> Mark, does, does Edgar listen to the podcast? Yeah, and I just bought him Grand Theft Auto Five too. <laughs> so we can look forward to him killing a hooker pretty soon, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, by his first birthday, he'll be slaughtering hookers. <laughs> so, Mark, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing quite well. Um, I'm sitting here with a glass of Mississippi Mud, which is a black and tan porter and pilsner. Delicious. Yeah. So you're enjoying that? I am. It's not typically my type of beer, but, I mean, it's $3, and you get this rad moonshine-esque jug, and it's like, there's like a liter of beer in there, so it's pretty good. Nice. Wow. And uh, what are you playing that's not portable? Um, right now, Resident Evil Zero for the GameCube. Oh, my um, gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. My wife really likes Resident Evil games, and she's never really beaten any of them, so we're going to try to go through this. I want to go through all of them in order. Oh, um, yeah. The main games, anyway. So we'll see how we we'll see how long that lasts. 
Resident Evil 4 is on my list of the best games ever made. I think it's in my top ten, probably. I've played through that game at least five times. Yeah. Gotten the alien arm laser gun that just headshots every zombie on the screen. <laughs> it's pretty wonderful. Nice. So then, Emrys, are you are you drinking today? No, I'm having some refreshing cold water. Out of a Lagunitas <laughs> jug, though. It's a, it's a cup that says Lagunitas on the side. And at the yeah. bottom, it says beer speak. I am a wreck right now. I'm three sheets uh, to the wind. It's going to be an ugly podcast, guys. Buckle up. What else is new? So what are you playing, Emrys? Uh, I've been playing SimCity, the new one that EA oh. totally failed to release properly. Yeah, the disaster. Yeah, it was a disaster. It's an entertaining game, though. I think there's a problem where where people, like, read on the forums that a game sucks, or they, like, hear somebody say that it sucks, because it sucked for, like, two minutes at one point, and that's all they remember. Yeah. I think it's really great. Like, it's it's a good SimCity game. I don't know what the problem is. Well, it's not that the game ever sucked. It's that you couldn't experience whether or not it sucked. Oh, yeah, because of the server issues. But it's been like a yeah, year yeah. since then, so... Right. I think it's a fine game. It would be great to play cooperatively, actually, with friends. Well, that's that's like the big thing, isn't it? Yeah, you're supposed to have like a posse. Alright, well, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, I believe his name is Christopher Arnold. He created Ping. Yeah. He's one of our Twitter followers. It's at K-U-R-I-S-U-E-L-L-E-G-A-R-D-E. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Yeah. But um, Ping 2 is slated to release for Wii U. And so he's a Wii U developer now, and that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Should we get him on the show? I think we should. Yeah, That'd I be think fun. we should. Yeah. In the meantime, I just wanted to congratulate him. Emrys really enjoyed Ping. You've heard his review last episode. And I right. uh, can't wait to play Ping 2 on Wii U. Put in some online multiplayer so Kevin and I can play together. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> we can play with each other's balls. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> so this is going to be our beginner's guide to the 3DS episode. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are going to be getting their first 3DSs this year because of Pokemon and maybe Zelda and all of this stuff, but... Um, in addition to that, I just wanted to say beforehand, <laughs> as a warning to parents, I've been hearing terrible things, if you're buying your kids a 3DS, about the um, the 3DS ports of Skylanders and Disney Infinity and all those types of games being just like terrible abominations, and get your kids the PS3 or Wii U versions because the 3DS versions are terrible. I can't imagine it would be good, though. Like, how would you... Well, first of all, it would make your system not even portable anymore if you have to have the portal hooked into it at all times. Sure. But the thing about, like, specifically, let's say, Disney Infinity. Um, on the Wii U, PS3, and Xbox 360, it's like this big sandbox game. And there's literally, like, a sandbox mode where you can just create and destroy anything, I guess. But the 3DS version is just a bastardized Mario Party. It's like a completely different game, and anyone who buys it is going to be sorely disappointed. That's rough, especially for a popular game like Skylanders. Yeah, so, seriously. So yeah, everybody who hasn't bought a 3DS and has been waiting for Pokemon is going to be buying it this month, 11 days after you're listening to this podcast, actually. And um, we wanted to take it upon ourselves as world-renowned 3DS experts. Right. Um <laughs> To just our recommendations, our favorite things about the console, and just sort of a little guide to help people make the right choices in life. About the 3DS. We have nothing to say about any other life choices. 
I recommend getting heavily drunk and making video game podcasts with your friends. All right. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in school, My kids. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I wanted to talk about is, does the 3D matter anymore? Do you guys care? No. Yes. Conflict. See? <clears throat> exactly. That's All my right. point. Round one, fight. So I'm actually in the middle. So I want to, let's go Kevin, pro, me, neutral, and uh, Emrys, against. And I want to hear each everyone decide. Okay, well, first of all, and I mean, I, sh- I should preface this by saying I don't think it's it matters for every game, but mm-hmm. I think that there are some games where it is vital. Um, for, for example, I, I've mentioned Super Mario 3D Land before. Right. Uh, one of the... One of the things that makes that game as interesting as it is is that with the 3D on, it actually has, it has you know certain blocks that are popping up out of the air, and without like if you play it not in 3D mode, it looks like it's part of the landscape, and you can't understand like why you can't run through that spot. Well, you can't because it's a block and it's sticking up, but you can't see it. Uh-huh. So it, that's a game that I mean people people do play it in 2D. But it's much harder, and the enjoyment's diminished. Like part of it, and part of it's just for the wow factor. Like when Mario jumps on a on a bouncy platform, he'll shoot up. At, it looks like he's shooting up out of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that that's one of the ones that makes a great case for it. Another one is Pushmo. I think that Pushmo yeah. would be half the game that it is without the 3D feature. Um, and that's because of the, you know, the format where you're you know, taking platforms and you're pushing them in and pulling them out and rearranging them all in different ways. And it helps you keep track of you know, where things are and what position they're in. That's a good point. Um, my wife on our uh, recent plane ride was trying to play Pushmo and she was playing it in 2D because she's, she's in Emrys' camp. And um, she was having a hard time finishing the puzzles. And I'm like, oh, well, watch this. And I flipped the slider up, and suddenly she was, like, blazing through them, finishing puzzles that I hadn't even finished yet. Yeah. It's it's a complete game changer whether or not you have the 3D on for games like Pushmo. And there are certainly plenty of games that don't benefit from it, where it's... I mean, I've mentioned this before, Street Fighter Four, where it just looks like you're playing in a diorama. It's kind of cool, but you don't really need it. And yeah. honestly, I don't play with it on most of the time mm-hmm. because, you know... With fighters, you're just jiggling the machine too much, and then it just means you can't see what you're doing because it splits into double images and everything hurts. Yeah. But you know, but there are other games like Luigi's Mansion: Dark Moon, where you know the 3D isn't necessary, but it's, the game certainly benefits from the sense of depth that it gives. And oh, and like I mentioned with Mario and Luigi Dream Team, that you know some yeah. of the Luigi-ary powers in that game greatly benefit from the 3D. Yeah. I want to touch on a phrase that I've heard you say a couple of times now, Kevin, about each of these games, which is, <laughs> yeah, it's not that necessary. And for me, that's the real deal. Like, I don't want to pay... St- I paid, like, who knows how much money when I got my 3DS just for this feature that gives me a headache, and I turn off 90% of the time. Every once in a while, like, for example, Fire Emblem, the uh, terrain is really gorgeous in 3D because you can see the li- like bumps in the in the path and just like all the detail they put into it. Right. And frankly, I don't care about any of that. Like it's nice. It's it's it shows like a new step in computer graphics, but it's not anything that I want to use or like being forced to use by a game like Yeah. Pushmo. It's it's almost not like a step forward. It's just kind of like a sidestep. Like this is not a, um, like a future forwards compatible feature. You're mm-hmm. not going to be getting um, 3DS games on any virtual console in 20 years and be able to play them in 3D. 
I remember when the 3DX was released was right around the time when uh, 3D TVs in your home was all the rage. Yeah. So I think that I think that like major hardware developers were like, okay, 3D is going to be big. Let's start making 3D games any way we can. And so the 3DS, they were way ahead of the game because you don't need to use goggles, and that For makes sure. it that makes it playable. Right. But otherwise, I think it was kind of a short-sighted move on their part. They could have had the price lower. They could have fit more hardware into its guts by just not having this optional 3D feature. But at the same time, uh, like I said, I don't think. In, in a lot of cases, it's necessary for the gameplay, but, you, I mean, you did mention that Fire Emblem looks so much better in 3D. Like, I tried playing that in 2D, and I was I found the visuals to be lacking when see, it was in two dimensions. See, I don't go to my 3DS for eye-popping visuals, though. I want to, like, play on the can and collect <laughs> Pokemon, and, like, right. none of that stuff requires me to see the world in 3D. Yeah, I guess my whole stance on it is um, I like it. I like it when it's well done. I've seen plenty of instances where it's not well done. Right. Um, I, I had I had a Madden game because it was five dollars for 3DS, and that game gave me a headache. But no other game has ever given me a headache with the 3DS. I play with the 3D on 99% of the time, and I've never gotten a headache aside from Madden. So I think it needs to be done a certain way. Well, I got a headache the like on launch day. Maybe yeah. Maybe if you play a lot, I don't know. Well, I just I wasn't used to it yet. Yeah. And I played it for four hours uninterrupted. <laughs> Basically right. from the time I powered it on until the battery went dead. Wow. And the next day I had a migraine. But that was the only time that it ever hurt me. For my part, I don't I don't get that many headaches from it, but I do find myself having to sit in like a really specific posture and right. like have it angled at just the right angle and play that and, way. And you have to stay very still. Right, or else but... the whole thing becomes like blurred and you get double vision and all that. And that's it's, when you get the headache, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, but like, if I, if this had been uh, the DS without 3D, I would have bought it years ago, back when it was new. Yeah, yeah. But the 3D, I was like, no, I don't want to support that, like, business plan. I think it's, eventually Pokemon got me in the long run, but, mm. uh, you know, I just didn't want to, I felt like it was something that I would not appreciate. And I wish that they had had, like, an actual flip 2D 3DS. The 2DS is probably something that I would have purchased instead Despite of Despite the design. Just because it doesn't have 3D. Yeah. And, I mean... Even though I, it's a horribly designed piece of hardware? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that um, putting it all on one flat plane doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, I guess there's no definitive answer then, but there you have our opinions and... That's you know, you you can decide. Kevin and I are master debaters. <laughs> <laughs> really, that got a laugh. That was so bad. <laughs> I have just enough alcohol in me now. All right. Yeah, same. I came out. I came out from doing yard work like rather parched, and this beer is my my water. That's good. You're not a very good gardener, are you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's move on to our next segment. I thought it would be fun to uh, recommend our favorite 3DS apps or uh, features of the console to our listeners. Uh, Emrys, you can go first. You wanted to talk about Street Pass Me Plaza. Yeah, so the first thing that was one of the key features of the original DS, like the, the DS1 even, was the fact that you could like keep a game running and put it in your pocket and then go out and like 
hang out with other people who were playing the same game, and eventually you'd like accumulate goodies in your in your DS. Yeah, I, I did that with Animal Crossing uh, Wild World. Yeah, and never got one single hit, but that's besides the point. Well, that's because it was a while ago. Like yeah. the original DS, that feature was way ahead of its time. So, but I always thought it was really neat. And even like playing Pokemon, there's some really neat stuff you can get. Like you come across like other people, and they come and like live in your town. It's really cool. Yeah. And they they like visit your mall and and insult you occasionally in foreign languages. <laughs> I just think that is such a great feature, and I'm really happy now living in Chicago because I have a lot of opportunities for making street passes. It's definitely better for people who live in way more populated areas. Yeah, even with the new feature about uh, hot points, like if you go to a Nintendo right. Zone, mm-hmm. you can pick up the info from the last person who was there, even if they're not there anymore. Starbucks is really benefiting from that. I'm sure they for, are. Just, just from me alone. Yeah. Oh, really? Because I never went to Starbucks, and... I figured you just walk around in front of it, pacing back and forth for hours. Well, no, a part, part of it is that some of the freelance projects I've mentioned um, have been... Like, I, I can't work on stuff from my house because I just get distracted. Yeah. And my, my locally owned coffee shop that I really like closes too early. They close at, like, 7 o'clock. Oh. So I'll just, you know, I'll take my laptop to Starbucks and put my 3DS in my, in my bag... And I'll always come home with a street pass. Like, but even when I go to like Wegmans, you know, the grocery store to do, to do grocery shopping, I'll usually get like one or two street passes just from that. Yeah, it's because the DS has gotten so much bigger, and they also they also changed it so that you don't need to have the game running anymore. You don't yeah, even need to have the thing. cartridge inside. I get mm-hmm. Fire Emblem meets all the time, even though I don't play that game. And I think that's yeah, amazing. And because all the things, even if you don't have a game that that uses it, like, just the stuff that's included in the console is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's for sure. There are, like, six games now. Two of them are old, and then four were just new. They were put in yeah. a little while ago, and they run off of street passes, so... You'll get people to, like, water your plants, or you can go through a haunted house, or just fight with huge, huge numbers of of me's. <laughs> oh yeah, what are you what are you up to in in Warrior's Way? I think I'm up to like seven thousand, seventy five thousand people. Wow! And you said the record number is what nine, nine million nine thousand? Yeah, nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine hundred. And wow. and he was from Japan. I don't know what his name is because I don't read Japanese. But yeah, he, he gets street uh, passes constantly. Then apparently, I'm assuming I mean, he has to be a developer. Well, maybe. I don't know. He lives in Japan. Life's different over there. They probably street Lucky. pass each other on their just to meet people that way. Yeah. Well, Emerson, you were talking about Nintendo Zone, and that's actually the feature I'm going to talk about. Uh, I feel like it's a pretty—it's—it's it's an often overlooked application. Um, you can only use it when you're at specific uh, Nintendo-compatible uh, Wi-Fi access points. So, like Starbucks has them, uh, a lot of McDonald's has them, Best Buy has it, and certain shopping centers. My mall has a Nintendo-exclusive uh, Nintendo Wi-Fi signal that you can uh, log into. And the thing about Nintendo Zone is it's it's just sort of a hub for all this like content that you can only get there. So there's great um, game previews that are in 3D, so you'll have videos and screenshots of games that maybe you haven't played yet. 
Um, even game demos you can download from the Nintendo Zone. Um, there are definitely some cool movie trailers, music videos. I even watched a soccer game one time on Nintendo Zone. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's been created exclusively for this specific uh, app. Um, some places like Best Buy will even have offers and promotions, you know, like a discount or a coupon or something that you can only get by logging into Nintendo Zone. Uh, I, I've been seeing a lot recently too. Places will have exclusive, like, let's just say Animal Crossing furniture. So you can only get this by going to Best Buy or whatever, getting on Nintendo Zone at one of these access points. You can get your special table that looks like a watermelon or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, all these all these zones serve as relay points for the Street Pass, where you can get your, your you know, interact with your Miis and get your puzzle pieces and all that kind of stuff. and Make new friends. You know, I've had the 3DS since the day it came out, and I still have never used a Nintendo Zone. Like, That's what I'm talking about. Stuff. It's, I mean, it's... I don't know. It's like I said. It's overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always take my 3DS to the mall with me because I know at some point I'm going to be sitting down with a orange Julius or something, and I'll pop open the 3DS, and the Nintendo Zone icon will glow. Like they really want you to know that you can use this this app here. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't know. Emrys, have you ever used it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I would get all the little hidden furniture from Animal Crossing, like you were talking about. Yeah. And I, I love the the other Street Pass games so much that I would go to Starbucks when my internet was down just to like a couple times I went out to Best Buy so Best Buy for me is like a bus trip away so it's like two two dollars I realized that I was paying two dollars for this Animal Crossing DLC even though it was completely free at Best Buy well they're gonna be doing the same thing with Pokemon I can guarantee it I'm sure they already have a thing going on where you can walk into GameStop and get some shiny Pokemon. Yeah. They've been doing that for a while. Yeah, it's it's prepping up for the release of X and Y. They they do, yeah. That the distributing like that has always been a way to like raise awareness and have special events. But I mm-hmm. think the the spot the the spot pass and the street pass features really encourage you to go out and find these Nintendo places. For sure. Which I really like. Even if it's McDonald's, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll get fries and a milkshake. I don't know. Fries and a milkshake uh, and an Animal Crossing table shaped like a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I very briefly also wanted to talk about really one of the coolest features on the 3DS that I, I bet you guys barely use as well. Uh, the game notes. Oh, yeah. I've never used it. It's, it's a lot like... Do you remember in the DS Zelda games where you could like go to the map and make little notes on the map, and then when you, they're always there until you erase them. Mm-hmm. So you could always remember where treasure is and stuff like that. Well, it's kind of like that. So, I mean, say you're playing any game, even like a virtual console game, you can hit the home button, go to that little yellow pencil in the top bar, and then it takes a screenshot exactly where you are in the game, and you can write down a note, and you can, you know, draw or say whatever you want. It, I think it really helps a lot with, with games when you're like, oh, well, here's something I want to do, but I can't do it now. I'll come back to it later. Yeah, that actually, I, I probably should start using that. So. And I probably, I probably really will when um, Link Between Worlds comes out. Yeah, to mark your treasure chests and stuff like that on the map. Yeah, definitely. That's a good cool. idea. Well, then, um, Kevin, you wanted to talk about Swap Note. Sure, yeah, Swapnote is a a free app that you can download from the eShop. That doesn't come pre-installed on new 3DSs, does it, Emrys? You know, I don't remember installing it, but I also don't remember not installing it. So (laughs) I 
I think it might be something you do have to go in and download. Okay, well, yeah, I, I definitely had to download it, but yeah. it's pretty cool because Nintendo uses it to send you notifications about, you know, games coming out, and they send you little drawings and, like, um, stationary, like, Zelda stationary or Mario and stationary. They'll have they'll have little sound clips, like Reggie saying, Hi, this is Reggie from Nintendo. Yeah, you get, like, actual people's voices because it's being sent from their 3DSs, supposedly. Yeah. Um, but the coolest thing about Swap Note as far as I'm concerned, is the ability to send um, 3D penis drawings <laughs> to your friends. Of course. It's like I could predict the future there. I knew as soon as you started that sentence, I'm like, I know Pre- where this is going. Predict the future? <laughs> yeah. So Kevin and I have used it pretty much exclusively for phallic drawings. Yeah. Um, I have I have sent two to Emrys so far. I, I believe I... Uh, I, forget, Emerus, I know I sent this one to Mark. Did I also send it to you the the um, the Dick Drake? Yeah. Yeah, the giant penis dragon. <laughs> well, I sent you um, on the Wii U because the Wii U ver- via Meverse you can send messages. Have you seen that? Have you seen <laughs> yes, that one? Yes, I did see that. I loved it. <laughs> it was uh, the Legend of Zelda: The Wind Wanger, and instead <laughs> of a, uh, a baton, he had a penis in his hand. Oh, nice. So that's that's where we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what else can you really say about Swap No, I don't know. Well, you can say that Nintendo always asks you before sending a note not to send anything objectionable or offensive. That's true. <laughs> and we do it anyway. You can include uh, sound clips and photographs, too. Didn't I cool. think I sent you a drawing of LaRue one time for your birthday. <laughs> I'm assuming. I, I, I have it saved. I don't remember if it was my birthday, but yeah. But like with a sound clip in it where I was voice <laughs> acting for LaRue. <laughs> I don't think our audience knows who LaRue is. LaRue is a caricature of a guy that I used to live next door to who would scream obscenities through the walls and um, try to loan me his pornography. (laughs) (laughs) But he stored his pornography DVDs in grubby old socks. What? And that's interesting to me because are they very large socks? No, well, I mean, socks have elastic in them, so that's how he would, like, put them in there. I, I, listen, I don't pretend to understand it. <laughs> um, like, he just, I, he tried to hand me a dirty old sock one time, and I was like, what is this? And he was like, it's that porn DVD I was telling you about. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. I guess if porn. you're sitting down to watch some porn, you're gonna want, like, a, a nice sock handy at the same time. <laughs> well, aren't the other DVDs in there? <laughs> No, it was just one DVD. Oh, okay. Because I figured that was just a recipe for disaster. No, I've, I have no idea. I didn't actually touch it. I actually recoiled. Yeah. Hey, I have your uh, I have your birthday, LaRue, right here. Oh, really? So this was for my birthday last year, 2012. Let's let's see what LaRue has to say. Tails better be all you blowing out, boy! <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even understand that. Uh... <laughs> Hold on. It was too close. I don't know, you were too close to the mic. I probably was. Whatever it is, it's uh, hilarious. <laughs> that's beautiful. So let's move on and let's talk about uh, the favorite uh, 3DS games from the eShop. Since I think a lot of people are going to be discovering these great little games, indie and otherwise, for the first time. Let's lead them toward our favorite, or in Emerus's case, potentially not favorite games that you can find on Nintendo's eShop. Well, SteamWorld Dig is 
Um, it's a it's a game where you go into a mine, you dig, you find ore that you use to upgrade your your robot. You're you're playing a uh, a steampunk robot cowboy, which sounds completely absurd, but <laughs> I don't know. The character designs are fun and charming, and basically you're digging. You're trying to avoid monsters and. Uh, avoid having rocks collapse on your head because of the way you've been digging, and I don't know. Like as you as you go, you know, further down into the mine, like you're you're basically managing a couple of resources, such as um, your light meter, which you know when when you run out of light, basically the mine goes dark, and you have to find your way out without light. So you can only ever spend a certain period of time down in the mines before um, before you run out of light. So you have to keep like going back to the surface because the sun recharges your your light. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just it's a game where you know you progressively explore this mine, and as you get deeper, you discover teleporters that take you back to the surface, and then you can basically restart from where you were, so you don't have to like come back in from the beginning every single time. And it's it's a very simple concept, and it's fairly repetitive but not in a bad way like you just kind of dig away at the ground and it keeps me it's kept me wanting to come back for more like the only reason that i stopped playing it at all was because i got the wii u and i've been playing zelda so it's been a lot of fun i hear it compared to um metroid or castlevania games yeah it's it's very similar in the exploration concept like there are a lot of different ways that you can go but um unlike metroid or maybe the newer Metroid games do this. I haven't played a recent Metroid game. Um, it tells you where you're supposed to go next, and it marks it on your map. Oh. Okay. So there's none of this getting lost business that always makes me stop playing Metroid games. <laughs> so it also kind of sounds like Dig Dug. Yeah, it's it's fairly similar to that, except you don't use um, the little blow-up thing mm. to make them die. You just hit them with a pickaxe. What do you use the blow-up thing for? In Dig Dug, that's how you that's how you killed the bad guys. Is you pumped I, them full of air. Are you trying to make a silly joke? I was making an offensive joke, yeah, okay. about Kevin playing with inflatable toys that he got from Larue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what the, the nice thing about sex toys from Larue is is that they're always wearing their socks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> I'll go. I'll go with my eShop exclusive next. How does that sound? For uh, for my eShop game, I'm not in Mark and Kevin's enviable position of being able to buy like a bunch of them. So I only have two. I have Pokemon Dream Radar, which you can hear all about <laughs> on our last episode. I also have this was my gift from Nintendo for being like a gold member or something with all of my games all the points, because I bought the 3DS and I bought the games, so it gave me a free free eShop download. So I picked Mighty the one... The yeah, yeah, I'm happy about that. Uh, so I picked out Sakura Samurai, The Art of the Sword, or as I've been known to call it, Sword... Sorting the Swordist. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of a game... So, compared to Pokemon Dream Raider, I think I actually enjoyed this one less. Wow. But not in a way that would make my review worse. It's just an incredibly disappointing title all the way around. Well, it's from Nintendo, too. That's disappointing. Yeah, well, it looks to me like what happened is that they tried to make this specific visual style, like a, a samurai with lots of samurai imagery and, like, all that stuff, and then they ran out of money. So, like, they couldn't really animate anything very well, or put in much variety of gameplay. 
Basically, the way the game works is that you are a guy with a sword. Somebody kidnapped your princess. Literally, that's the whole story. <laughs> and then you have to kill a bunch of human beings. It's. I think, actually, what happens, instead of his sister being stolen, I think she died from somehow, from natural okay. causes, and the main character goes insane. Starts hallucinating <laughs> that a kappa is in the, in the lake, telling him how to cut up human beings into little pieces. The Kappa isn't Kappen from Animal Crossing, is it? No, but Kappen from Animal Crossing is a Kappa. Yeah. Which is like a mythological creature from Japanese lore. I always thought he was a turtle, but no, he's a turtle thing. Oh, I thought... Yeah. Huh. No, he's a Kappa. Different from a turtle. Kappa rolls are my favorite sushi. Oh my god, that sounds delicious. <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd add that. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could eat the main characters from... Sakura Samurai because I probably would. Really? Yeah, so the gameplay is really you have a sword and you like go to these little places on a map. And you can only go to like one at a time, so it's pretty linear. No story, nothing happens there except that every all the guys in this little enclosed space will try to kill you one at a time. And all you have to do is dodge left or right to avoid their attack and then counter hit them with your sword. Kind of sounds like Punch-Out in Samurai Age. Yeah. You know, I, I also downloaded this game and played it. Mm -hmm. And Emerson, I have the exact same opinion of, as you do. Wow. Yeah. It just yeah. seems really unfinished. Like, the animations are bad. The the scenery art and, like, the character art is not terrible. But okay. I feel like that's the only thing they, they had the, the budget to make. Because they were clearly going for this, like, stylistic samurai, like, some, like something out of a painting, you know? Okay. And they came up way short, just in the gameplay aspects and, like, overall production quality. And I got bored with it, like, almost instantaneously, because they don't really, like, the so when they When you practice with the Kappa, it'll still throw watermelons at you, and the watermelon will blink, and that's like, okay, when it's at this point, you, when it blinks, you use your sword. But in actual fighting with people, like, you just have to know all of their attacks, and, like, you have to know it for every single enemy, and it's... It's just, I don't know. Uh, I will never finish that game. I have no, it doesn't even give me Pokemon if I play enough of it. So. <laughs> That's funny because usually every other game does. So I, don't know I know, right? Pokemon for everyone. So you don't recommend it then? Yeah, I really, I can't recommend it. I give it a, yeah. I give it a W out of sword. Wow, right <laughs> in the middle of the word and everything. Yeah. Yeah the, yeah, the it, W stands for why. <laughs> I I read reviews of this game They're prior not bad. to purchasing it, and and everybody had glowing things to say about it. Uh -huh. So I downloaded it and started it up, and I was like, "Are we playing the same game here? This doesn't <laughs> even seem remotely imaginable." Like, did my uh, download get corrupted? Exactly. Like, and, and what what you were saying about it sounding kind of like Punch Out. Like, I, I it, you're you're right in a sense because it's largely like. There are a couple of different enemy types, and it's all about pattern recognition and figuring out when to dodge left and right. But something about, like, I liked Punch-Out, and I didn't like Sakura Samurai. Yeah. Execution counts for a lot when you're dealing with, like, pretty basic game mechanics. For sure. And this game just did not execute. How far did you get, Kevin? I almost finished it, but... Wow. And there was only, like, still, like, two or three enemies the whole time? Yeah, there really wasn't a whole lot going on. Like, I think I made it to the final castle. 
and they wanted me to run through like all these guys. And and by the point that I got to in the game, you were fighting more than one guy at a time. Oh. So like the challenge had ramped up a little bit, but it was still just really boring. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's pretty much my estimation of it as well. On the positive note, though, it did introduce me to Kappa being a species and not a frog. So I learned something. Thank you, Sakura Sword Samurai. Similar, the similarly to uh, Mario 3, introducing us all to Tanuki, who yeah. are not raccoons. <laughs> not raccoons at all. I had no idea about that until PETA made that um, game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a glowing review for several games, but I will keep them all brief. Uh, for the sake of time. This is uh, Level 5, who are traditionally Japanese sort of RPG developers. I believe they did the more recent Dragon Quest titles, or at least published them. So the, the concept behind the Guild series is let's get some great developers that are pretty well known in gaming, and let's get them to make these just small little games, sort of budget titles. And uh, in Japan, you can get them on uh, download or on a cart. But in America, they're $8 each on the eShop. And some of them are really great, and some of them not so much. And I'm going to run you through most of them. First off is the Guild 01 game, Liberation Maiden. This one was made by Suda51 and Grasshopper Manufacturer, who were responsible for uh, insane games like Killer7, No More Heroes, and Lollipop Chainsaw. It's a futuristic 3D shooter, and the controls are kind of like Kid Icarus Uprising, which is another game I might recommend later, but anyway. In Liberation Maiden, though, you play as a high school, high school girl slash president of Japan, same person, um, who pilots a mech to fight these sort of, I don't know, eco-terrorists and, and clean up the world from just icky technology. Uh, most of the gameplay involves you dodging bullets to fight these robots and other machines, and once you defeat like a whole little group of them, this little magical thing happens and the area reverts back to nature, and it's all pretty and grassy and stuff. Uh, the graphics are alright, the art direction and the enemy design are a little bland, and the 3D effects pretty min minimal. Um, there are also only a handful of attacks and weapons, so you're only doing like three or four things the entire game to fight enemies. But there are three different difficulties to play through. Uh, I wouldn't even bother with easy, it's really, really easy. And then there's a score attack mode. You can go back and do the levels independently and try to best your high score. For me, my final playtime of just going through the story one time and then playing like one or two score attack modes was an hour and 20 minutes. So it's really short, and it probably will be for you too unless you're the kind of person who will go back and do all those levels to try to get just the best score possible. The only thing is, there's no like online leaderboard, so there's not really anyone to, to compete with. I can safely recommend it for action game fans and arcade shooter fans. If you like dodging bullets, this will probably be your thing. But not at $8. I would try to wait for a sale on the eShop to check it out. Um, or you could go, it's also available right now on iOS for 5 bucks. How does that? Com how does it compare in gameplay, do you know, to um, the 3DS version? I haven't played it on iOS. Um, I, re I, I really didn't want to buy it twice. That but, makes uh, sense. Uh, I'd imagine it's a very similar experience without, without the very simplistic 3D. So yeah, if you want to be a high school girl that's the president of Japan and fight robots, this is the game for you. Now, the next game I'm going to talk about I really enjoyed. It's called Crimson Shroud. And this one was made by Yasumi Matsuno, who did Vagrant Story in Final Fantasy XII. 
is that very distinct sort of art style to all his games. And Crimson Shroud is an RPG mixed with sort of D&D elements and Warhammer elements, complete with, you know, multiple-sided dice and little figurines that you move around. The battles in Crimson Shroud are turn-based, and they're pretty par for the course with old-school RPG sort of turn-based battle systems, but there are these little chain attacks you can do, where if you do certain attacks, you can do more damage, you can actually get more attacks in. The graphics for Crimson Shout I thought were pretty good. I more appreciated the art style than anything, and sort of the atmosphere. Um, it totally looks like, you know, Final Fantasy XII. Uh, once again, the 3D effect is minimal. It's almost like on these budget games, like, making good 3D costs money, and so they don't, they don't put a lot of it in. But the game has pretty reasonable uh, amount of depth. You, you only have eight stats, and um, there are no levels. You, d you don't level up through battle. The only way you can increase your stats is by equipping different weapons, armor, certain abilities, and spells. And you have to balance that out, because after every battle, you have to take certain new abilities or throw away old abilities, and you sort of have to decide what you're going to do, and it can really hurt you for the next battle. And that's possibly where I went wrong, because I couldn't finish this game. I don't know what I was doing wrong, I never looked up a guide or anything, but I got lost and just kept going in circles and fighting the same enemies over and over again. That being said, I played it for almost four hours, and for these budget, you know, guild games, that's pretty decent. I, I, I'd recommend it to anyone who's really into old school RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons, or people that are just very patient in general, or at least use a guide, because maybe you won't get lost like me. That, out of all of the guild games, that one sounds has sounded the most interesting to me. Yeah, if if you have a guide or something to hold your hand, just just for direction alone, I, I recommend it. But yeah, I got frustrated and had to quit. Now another one that you can get in the U.S. eShop is Aeroporter. Uh, it's made by Yute Saito, who's responsible for more insane games like Seaman and Odama. I, I should rephrase Seaman. <laughs> it was a Dreamcast game where you raise a fish with a human head. <laughs> but it is not a game where you raise seamen, like like sea monkeys. So Aeroporter is like this airport-based luggage sorting game. I haven't downloaded it. It looks like it's sort of iOS puzzle game, jack-off time waster, but it's there. And I really like Yusaito's work, even though it's insane, but I just I couldn't bring myself to download this one. Worth mentioning, though, is Omasi's Rental Shop, which didn't make it to America. Um, I know it's weird to talk about, but um, it, apparently there was just way too much text and, and Japanese cultural references that American audience wouldn't get, but you play as this father and son owner of a weapon shop in an RPG world, and you're selling weapons to heroes, I guess, as they come through town, and I, I, I guess you just forge weapons with like a rhythm based system and if you know you do well with the rhythm it's a good weapon and then the hero buys it and you're successful in battle and good things happen. And I'm really disappointed it never came over here but um, if you have a Japanese 3DS or have the ability to play import games I, I highly recommend looking that one up. That actually sounds fascinating yeah. to me. Like I, I just I like weird I mean, not just not just video games, but any kind of weird story like that where, you know, someone, you know, who is supposedly, like, tangential to a story is the focus of the story, and, yeah. like, the hero is just kind of, you know, like, the out, like, on the outside of what's actually going on. Yeah, it's sort of like Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, My Life as a King, 
for the Wii. It was a, it was a um, WiiWare title, and you basically played as the king of the city, and adventurers came and went, and you could send them off on quests and stuff, but you never saw battle. It was, it was a very strange direction to take, but I actually really got into that game. I never played it. So then uh, there's the Guild 02 series, which has only come out this year. Three games came from that. The first being the Starship Damry, which I was going to review in an earlier Portable Power podcast episode. Uh, decided against it. Um, it's a first-person horror-slash-sci-fi game. It's very similar to this game on PS2 called Echo Knight Beyond. Very few people have played it, but it's made by From Software, the people who made the Demon Souls Dark Souls series, so look, in, look into it. The cool thing about Starship Damry is there are no tutorials, no hints, and no guides. You have to figure everything out, even the controls and just the very mechanics of the game. There's no assistance, no direction, you just plop down in this world and you have to figure everything out. That being said, once you overcome sort of the initial hurdles of the game, which are most like controls and like getting out of the first area you sort of get the hang of it and it's not nearly as hard as it sounds but I still like that this game does not hold your hand you're just left alone to wander and figure it all out for yourself the graphics in the Starship Damry are, are okay you know very late PS2 and the art direction is very par for the course for the sort of like subgenre of first-person horror sci-fi games it's a little clunky to control, but like any survival horror game, much like Resident Evil Zero that I'm playing right now, it's not a big deal to those of us that are faithful to the genre. Um, I liked it. Um, it has a mysterious story. You know, you have to figure out everything that's going on, even whose eyes you are viewing the world through. And you get a lot of background stories for the entire crew of this ship that are all dead now. You have to figure out what happened and how to get out of this situation. For me, I saw the ending coming by about the halfway point through the game, but it was still a pretty well done story. It took me about 2 hours and 45 minutes to finish it, and then you can go back through and get a few of the little unlockables for the game. Um, which is more, more just like files to read about the backstory and a few pieces of um, character art and stuff like that. So I recommend it, uh, specifically for like niche horror gamers and fans of like, you know, like old text-based games or even PC games like Seventh Guest if you've played anything like that. One game I, I didn't have the chance to review is Bug vs. Tank, Bugs vs. Tanks, which is by uh, Keiji Inafuni, who created Mega Man. Um, you play as Nazis and tanks that have been shrunk down, and you have to fight normal-sized bugs. And it sounds pretty awesome, but I haven't gotten a chance to download it yet. It sounded like an interesting concept, but yeah, it was just something that I, I was I was gonna do a review of it for an episode two, but I, I never downloaded it either. Yeah. The last game I'm gonna review for the Guild series is Attack of the Friday Monsters. This is the best guild game of them all, as far as I'm concerned. It's not for everybody. It's a story very story heavy. Story based, um they call it a life simulation game. And it has this like light, like card battling game within the game that you can play later on. So Attack of the Friday Monsters takes place in 1970s rural Japan, and everyone in this community is obsessed with these like kaiju shows, where like this Ultraman character fights off all these evil monsters. And the game gives you a lot of background into what was going on in Japan in that time, and like why these shows were so popular and stuff like that. And it's really kind of cool just to get the the history and this cultural info through a, a game. Most of the game though just involves you running around town, you talk to different townsfolk, doing basic errands for them, and trying to unravel this mystery of these supposedly giant 
like real kaiju that are gonna come to your city and fight. The game really, for me, the reason I liked it so much is it, it really captured like the innocence and wonder of childhood. As, as silly as that sounds, it, it reminded me of being a kid, despite all the cultural differences. But it's just this very like whimsical, nostalgic experience for me. Um, I can't say that everyone will have the same personal experience, but it really, it really moved me. All the characters have these unique personalities, and everybody has a story to tell, in addition to the grand, overarching story going on. Graphics are pretty good. It's a very, like, Miyazaki kind of art style with hand-drawn backgrounds and polygon-based characters. Um, and about that card battle game that I talked about before, it's sort of like rock, paper, scissors, but you have these monster cards and you just battle them out with the friends in the town and sometimes the only way to get info out of people is to beat them in this little card game. But there are only 15 total cards you can get and something like five or six people you can battle so it's kind of shallow in that department. You will, probably won't spend a lot of time doing card battles. My final playtime for the game was three hours and 45 minutes and I had almost all the cards uh, collected and all but like two little like subquests completed, but um, I recommend it. It was a really good game. I had read um, some reviews of that on I think Nintendo Life. Okay. And it sounded really interesting to me. So, so you're saying that your experience with it was also very positive? Like this is your favorite of the Guild games? Right. Yeah, I I I'd contemplated picking it up. I I, th I think that I think this might push me over. It's it's cute. It's quaint. It's simple, but it's it's. I liked it. I mean, if you can get into Animal Crossing, it's, 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 to tell you the truth, Animal Crossing has way more depth, but I don't know. I recommend it. It's eight bucks. And the cool thing about all the guild games is they're all sort of interlocked, and so if you've played other games, you'll unlock stuff in the other guild games. Oh, really? So if you play Attack of the Friday Monsters, stuff will be unlocked in Starship Damry, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, that's the first I've heard of that feature in these games. Yeah, and they all just kind of feel like little experiments by these well-known developers, more than they do like full-fledged polished games. These are little sketches that they've done, rather than, you know, giant, you know, oil paintings, if you will. That makes sense, but I, I enjoy them, potentially sometimes just for the quaintness of them. Uh, my only complaint is I, I, I guess I just wish they were like around the $5 price point, because at $8, that's really the thing that kept me from downloading Bugs vs. Tanks. Yeah, they, they are a little bit pricey, which is why I didn't download Crimson Shroud or Friday Monsters. Yeah. Those are our eShop picks, or not picks in some cases. <laughs> so let's move on. Let's talk about overall favorite retail game for 3DS. And Emrys, I believe... You've got one that we've already heard about, but you have you you have glowing recommendations for. Yeah, and this is this is for all the people out there who have not listened to the podcast before and picked up a 3DS and are listening to us right now. Hi, hey, you there? Uh, I think Animal Crossing is my favorite game for the 3DS. It's one of my favorite franchises, actually. In the terms of casual gaming, mm -hmm. uh, I really like Animal Crossing because it grows with you, and it doesn't punish you too hard if you don't meet its expectations. All of your plants will die if you don't tend to them every day, but it's not the end of the world because you can always like buy more plants. The, the object of Animal Crossing is really just to make money, like in-game money. So you can and get cool stuff. Right, yeah, to decorate your house with. Overall, it's a really great mobile game because it doesn't have a lot of 
like long set pieces. So you just log on, you go, you cash like four fish while you're waiting in line, then you just shut the game and forget about it. It's just, and it's a really good, uh, it's a good game for getting used to the 3DS and like putting it through its paces. You can check out the 3D, and, you know, and it's a, re it's a rewarding game. And if you like collecting things, for sure. So as as far as casual gaming goes, I think that Animal Crossing is the top of the pile. It it is a, a really great and fairly unique game. Um, and, and and you were right about the you know being able to just pick it up for a couple of minutes here and there, because that does make it the perfect portable title. Like there have been a couple times where I just you know watered some of my flowers and then put it away for a while. Like that it's it's what I would do on my yeah. break at work for a while there when I only had like fifteen minutes to play a game, but I wanted to do something that, you know, got me out of Photoshop for like a couple minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's totally harmless. Like you will never feel stupid playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> Even if you're doing it completely wrong. Even if you have no idea how the game mechanics work, you can still just have a good time. I don't know, there are certain townsfolk that'll, that'll make you feel stupid. Well, that's true, but that's like the variety. It's not the game itself, it's the personalities of the AI. Right. Which is fun too, because eventually like, they'll want to leave your town. You can say, see you later, jackass. <laughs> I'm going to hire a different beaver. I want, I want a beaver to be my new town's hall person. I don't think there are any beavers in Animal Crossing. Just that one that does the fishing contest or whatever, right? Oh, yeah. Is he an otter? I think I thought he was an otter. I don't know. I have no idea what half these things are. Sometimes you can't tell. There's a cat <laughs> There's a cat that has an orange for a head. Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, that is pretty weird. That's part of what makes the game great, though. Like, the animals are all quirky yeah. and have their own personalities and react in different ways. Yeah, you can get annoyed with them for totally legitimate reasons. Not just because they're AIs, I, like every other game. I hated Cat more than anybody else. Yeah, well, he's evil looking. She. She, oh, yeah. Even worse. See, so with your new 3DS, you too can enjoy being tormented by artificial animal companions. <laughs> so I, I've heard a lot of people say they recommend downloading it as opposed to buying the, the, the cartridge. Would you say it's better to have on the system, or...? Oh, well, I think if you can download it, you should download it. I, I would also agree, and I bought the retail version of the game, which just means that I basically always have my Animal, case, my animal Crossing box with the game in, in my messenger bag at all times. Mm, in addition yeah. to all your other 3DS games in another case or something. No, I, I have just... Animal Crossing, like in the in the box that it came in, huh? and that that's the only 3DS game that I carry around with me at all times. But mm. it would be so much more convenient if I just downloaded it and it was on my mm. 3DS outright. Well, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, Animal Crossing is a great game to download because you can street, but you really want to street pass with as many people as possible. That's how you get like good furniture and good stuff for your home. By street passing, or do you get? Is it better yeah. with um, actually playing online with your friends? Oh, uh, well, street passing in Animal Crossing is amazing because you will get a copy of their entire house in your village. Oh, really? As part of a showroom? Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I, uh, I don't know. Why. If you're in the if you're on Main Street and you go through the Happy Home Academy arches at the very top. Oh, yeah. I went up there once. So, the dog will take you there, and he'll say there's a new model home, and you can see the avatar of the person who made the, the building. Then you can go look in the building and plunder it for possessions. 
That's great. You just, yeah, so it's the best way to complete furniture sets. Yeah. If somebody comes into your street pass and they have a complete set, you can have that set too. So would you have been able to get a copy of my Master Sword? No. Certain items can't be copied, like anything from the play coins, anything that you get as part of a, an achievement. You can't copy those. Well, you wouldn't have wanted my Master Sword anyway. I, Do you keep it in a yeah, sweat that's sock? True. <laughs> no, no, no! I did no. something far worse. It was worse. It was much worse. I traded that master sword for some Samus Aran pants, by the way. Yes, that I also wore before <laughs> you ever got them. <laughs> Don't say that. It's on a. It's they're on a mannequin now, so I can. But for those brief moments when I wore them, I now know that something was deeply awry. <laughs> For those brief moments you wore them, were you wearing briefs? <laughs> Let's hope so. What's disturbing here is how vague you're both being about this. Like, I, I almost don't want to ask now what happened. The Master with... Sword? Yeah. I rub my balls on it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that in Animal Crossing. You can if you tell somebody you did. Okay, okay. <laughs> It means they did it while you weren't looking. So the best things you can do in Animal Crossing are rub your balls on swords and put mannequins of Samus Aran in your house. Yes. Awesome. You know what else is surprisingly rewarding? There's a mail system. So you get to write letters to various animals. And those guys can't read. Yeah. So you can say whatever you want. Whatever you want. It's great for like some extremely minor stress relief to just curse out. Yeah. You know your favorite teddy bear in a, in a, in a mail and have them write back and they're like, "Thanks so much for your letter. It meant so much that you're thinking of me." Well, that's a Here's some different pants for you to wear. <laughs> Animal Crossing is all about pants. That's really yeah. the takeaway here. See, for me, it was T-shirts. I would. This is why I hated Cat. I would always be like walking across town and Cat would come running over to me and be like. Hey, that's a great whale shark that you have. Will you trade it to me for this shitty little t-shirt that I have? I'm like, no, because this whale shark is worth 10,000 bells, and your t-shirt is worth less than toilet paper that I just used. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Animal Crossing is a winner. You two can have deeply strange relationships with artificial animals. The game I want to review is nowhere near as uh, entertaining as that on that level. I don't believe you can rub any balls in Resident Evil Revelations. Uh, that's my pick for best 3DS retail game. Um, this game has the best graphics I've seen on the 3DS so far, and the deepest 3D. You know how you can slide the 3D slider up and down on the side of the thing to increase the depth of the 3D in the game? Uh -huh. Well, in Resident Evil Revelations, in-game, in the options menu, you can increase the depth even further, and it is oh, wow. incredible. Um, this game has the most sort of console-esque gameplay I've seen on a handheld system ever. Um, and they break the game down into episodes, almost like a TV show, so it's still suitable for portable play. That's pretty great. Yeah. It's also the first Resident Evil game where, as far as I know, it's the first Resident Evil game where you can run and shoot at the same time. So, I don't know, Resident Evil nerds will know what I'm talking about. And you sort of aim with the gyroscope sometimes, and it actually works pretty well. Um, occasionally it'll break 3D, but uh, it's it's still pretty cool. Uh, this game has online co-op multiplayer that is sort of like the mercenaries modes in the old Resident Evil games, but more awesome because you actually you actually go through like the levels of the game without the story and just kill a bunch of crap, get a bunch of money, get some new weapons, and there's tons of like hidden weapons and 
crazy weapons. I have like this shotgun that looks like a, a, a musket from like, I don't know, it's, it's like a weird weapon. It looks like a musket from like the 1800s mixed with a samurai sword. I can't even explain it. But um, it's a really like packed game. There's street pass stuff for sharing weapons online multiplayer, and overall I feel like it's a, even a better game than like Resident Evil 4, 5, or 6. I, I know Emrys, we, we, that might be controversial for you, but... Well, Resident Evil 4 has a special place in my heart. For sure. I'm biased, I admit That's it. That's alright. But it, this gameplay is kind of like the gameplay of Resident Evil 4 or 5 with some of the old like Resident Evil 1 elements. And you can swim in this one, I don't know. You can't swim in the other games? Well, there's not usually the no. opportunity to. I think in 4, you die instantly if you jump in the water. That sounds like a lot of games from that era. Yeah, the, the 90s. No, it was like, it was like early 2003 Resident Evil Revelations, it's got full voice acting and a pretty epic story. It's a lengthy game. Um, multiple language to choose, languages to choose from. English, Japanese. I like to play in Italian, just for the novelty. <laughs> um, multiple levels of difficulty. Tons of weapons and unlockables, and it's actually one of the few mature games on the platform. You know, lots of gore and 3D girls in tight suits. I don't know what else a guy could ask for. Other than me, I'm married. The only other things you could ask for are included in Project Cross Zone. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the few complaints I have about Resident Evil Revelations are it has actually long load times. Sometimes going from one area to the next, you'll just be waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And jumping on at this point for new 3DS owners for the multiplayer is kind of risky because I'm sure the online community is nothing like it was around launch time. Um, and other than that, there's a console version out now that you can download for PS3, Xbox 360, or Wii U that's in HD and probably seems a lot more appealing to people now with the better graphics and potentially more robust online community. But as far as the potential of handheld systems go, like, you gotta look at this game. I mean, it could, it could have been on Vita. It, it's so beautiful and so big and I really recommend it for all the adult gamers out there. How long did it take you to finish? Yeah, so um, it took me about 30 hours, not just to complete, I actually, I, you know what, let me let me rephrase that, I played through the game twice and I've played some multiplayer. So it's okay. probably a 10 to 15 hour game. And that's console length. That is, especially, yeah, I beat like one of the Uncharted games, I think I beat it in six hours my first time playing it, so, so there you go. So, Kevin, your favorite 3DS retail game, we actually had a discussion about this, Kevin couldn't decide, and he ended up picking it, is uh, Fire Emblem Awakening. Yeah, Fire Emblem Awakening. Uh, it's no secret that my favorite genre of video game is the tactics RPG, and Fire Emblem, the entire series, is a pretty great one overall, although I feel Awakening is probably the best one in the series. Um, and part of what that is that makes it the case is um, just the focus on relationship between the characters was so much greater than in previous games. Fire Emblem is probably the most hardcore uh, tactics RPG in existence, and the reason for that is that the series, um, the, like the staple of that series, is that death is permanent. If you if a character runs out of hit points on a mission, they're out of the rest of the game. So there's just a constant sense of um, consequence and like urgency in every battle like you, you know you can't just send somebody off to be a lone wolf and like you can in some of the Final Fantasy Tactics games it's, it's urgency and consequence is gonna be my new band name <laughs> <laughs> what was your old band name I don't remember okay. what kind of music do you play uh, the 
gospel music, actually. That that would actually be a gospel music band name, probably Urgency and Consequence. Yeah, so what's cool about Fire Emblem that I touched on before was with the relationship between the characters. This is not anything new to the series, like, the characters have always had relationships, but this is the first game where characters could pair off and get married. Why is that important to you? Because then they have children who come back in time from the future to fight in your force. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, it's additional, it's additional members of your army, is what it turns into. Wow. And also your own children. Yeah, you're sending your own children into battle. So... That's but, pretty amazing. I did not know about that. I didn't either. How how do they explain the time travel? It's magic. Oh, it's yeah. Ah, no. the 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 point is that um, there's some kind of calamity coming in the future, and the main character's name is Krom. Well, actually, you are the main character in the game. Like you create your own avatar, which is, I believe, also a series first. Like yeah. You, you've been in this, like, you as the player have been in the series before, but always as the tactician who sits back and just, like, controls the characters. You're never actually in battle with them. Like, the characters will talk to you, but you're never in battle with them. Whereas in this game, you are, and you can choose what sort of specialization you want. Um, you can choose something that you're good at, and then you have to choose a weakness as well. So, that's kind of interesting. And your character is, well, he, of course, you know, the Japanese... RPG trope of having amnesia. Oh yeah, not remembering your past. Does he speak? Um, I think that was literally where the game lost me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it starts out very um, cookie cutter and cliche, and and the story never becomes anything astounding. But what it what makes the story is the way the characters interact with each other and all the different possibilities and. Just the fact that, you know, having two characters fight together will open up a little side story. And every time you, like, a character gets married, you'll have another mi another secret mission open up. And that's where you can recruit their child from the future into your army. Wow. But, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a pretty cool story. The characters are all likable. Krom is the main character in addition to yourself. And you and Krom become best friends over the course of the story. And even though, you know, it's fake, like, these characters are all written very well. The production values are fantastic. Uh, it has some of the most beautiful graphics I've seen on the 3DS. It also has the least amount of feet ever featured in a 3DS game. That is true. It's It's got the Rob Liefeld feet. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't follow 90s comic books at all, Rob Liefeld was a comic book artist in the 90s who drew the worst feet and the most pouches. <laughs> Uh, he was a strange man. Go online and just search Rob Liefeld, Captain America, and you will see everything you need to know. Some amazing <laughs> man boobs. Depending on what he puts up there first, he may or may not be signing up for more than you could handle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are some images yeah. out there. That's all I'm going to say to describe them. Right. Images. <laughs> that you don't want. It's because they're still here. They're still with us. Yeah, they are. <laughs> They'll never go away. They're on the Google now. <laughs> well, another thing that's great about Fire Emblem is the voice acting is really solid. Um, and there's quite a bit of it, especially for a portable game. Hmm. Uh, it, it helps give the characters their personalities, you know, more than any other Fire Emblem game that I've played. And I, I've played quite a few of them. But, yeah, so... Uh, you know, there's a lot of depth and strategy, terrain. It, it's actually very similar to Advance Wars, but you don't want your units to die, unlike in Advance Wars where it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll, I'll suicide my Advance Wars guys all day long. 
Yeah, and it, it forces you to play in a in a much different way. Like you have to be very conservative because theoretically, it's possible to run out of units if you just are reckless. Yeah, I kept forgetting the rock paper scissors, and I got stuck on the one mission because I would always send my Pegasus rider in to die. Oh it's a yeah, horrible death. I thought if you're on a horse or whatever, you should be more powerful. Mm -hmm. No, I don't know what the unicorn does, but. Pegasus knights are, are weak to archers, man. You gotta remember that. <laughs> I know. Well, I can't remember everything. No, but, I mean, it'd be nice to remember that so you don't lose your Pegasus knight. <laughs> That's true. So, Kevin, uh, online? Is there any online? Basically, like, it has street pass features where somebody's army gets um, yeah. transferred to your 3DS, and then you can engage them in battle, and if you beat them, you can take on... Basically, the other character's avatar, like the other player's avatar. Oh. So, like, they join your army, and that's pretty cool. Because you can see how other people oh, have, like, cool. built their armies. Because it's possible, as, as, as you get certain items, to change the class of some of the characters in your army. Mm -hmm. um, so, it's interesting to see how, like, somebody maybe took their thief character, and instead of turning them into, into an assassin, changed them into, I don't know, a wyvern rider or something. Cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think the street passing is the only sort of multiplayer that Fire Emblem Well, there's co-op local play, but I don't think there's anything online. So did you uh, buy the cartridge, or did you download that one? I bought the cartridge, and I don't really see any kind of benefit to, to downloading this game. Um, because it's it's the kind of game that like you don't really pick it up and play it for a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, right. it's a sort of... Like, one battle in this game can take like an hour or more mm -hmm. um and, and it's it's interesting it's cool because it's turn-based so that makes it a great portable title but it may and it has a, a quick save feature for mid-battle mm -hmm. like if you have to turn it off for That's some good. reason yeah but uh it doesn't really it's not really the kind of game that benefits from like picking it up and playing it in like short spurts okay so moving on let's talk about that that in general the download versus retail kind of thing do you think that's where it's best suited? You run out of you run out of space on your SD card pretty rapidly if you keep downloading games. This is true. So eventually you have to pay for like a bigger one. And I don't know how well the 3DS handles save games and stuff when you're switching to a new SD card. So there are definitely benefits to having the cartridge. Like you never have to risk it getting wiped off of your account uh, for whatever reason, so you don't have to download it again. For the uh, for me, what I what I find to be the defining characteristic of, of whether or not I download or buy retail is how much replayability a game has. Yeah. Um, for, for something oh, yeah. for something like Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm, I you know th that's the kind of game that I would continue to play after I had already beaten it. So I would like to have that with me at all times, even though like I usually I mean I always have some new game that I'm playing through. But there are a couple times where I'm just like, man, I would really like to play, you know, this song in theater rhythm. But, you know, I have the retail release of it, so unfortunately, like, that's not in my bag that I carry everywhere. I mean, I guess I could put it in there, but I can only carry so much. For me, I guess, um, I'm not a big fan of downloading games because I'm all about going back and playing stuff later. Like, I'm playing Resident Evil Zero right now, and I, I, I worry about the longevity of downloadable stuff. Like, for instance, um, I guess the reason, the whole reason I feel this way is, um, what was the game? Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 on PS3. Uh, you could download certain characters from the PlayStation Network or whatever and exclusively play them in the game. 
But eventually, they took the, that down. Those servers are gone, those characters are gone, and if, if you were to lose your PS3, and 10 years from now pop in that game in you know, a new PS3 or whatever, uh, you would have lost all that content. Um, and other games have done this too, like the, the Turtles in Time remake is gone from Xbox 360. If your Xbox 360 goes up in smoke and 20 years from now you want to play Turtles in Time reshelled or whatever it's called, like it's gone forever, you can't play it anymore even though you, you bought it. And that's the whole thing I hate about downloadable games, I guess. Well, in the case of um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, mm -hmm. I mean, those are that's not affected by whether or not you downloaded the game. That's a DLC thing. Sure, but I, I'm just very vaguely talking about digitally distributed um, content. I love distributed content. Well, you're, it's done electronically. You're a Steam dude. I'm like a... Yeah, I'm a major Steam addict. Those sales, man, they ruin you. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess if you have a big SD card, like a 64 gigabyte that you can put in your 3DS, like... Which is going to run you like 50, 60 bucks. Sure. Like, go ahead. I have a 16 in mine. Then again, I only download mainly virtual console stuff. I have a few of those, like, guild games on there and stuff like that. But I still have, like, 122,000 empty blocks, even though I have four screens filled with games. Do you see that, I mean... Do you see retail disappearing? Eventually, yeah. And everything's just going to be digital, even your couch? Well... I wouldn't want a digital couch. No, I would not either. I want a couch that's covered in animal skins. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have that right now if you take your 3DS to Best Buy? I think that largely video games are going to be um, digitally distributed. Mm. And honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. Like, I, I like having retail copies of things so that I can, you know, have, like, the nice box art... But, yeah. like, I don't know, like, over time, I've adjusted to buying music on iTunes. It doesn't bother me anymore. And oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I still don't buy music from iTunes. Well, it, for me, it's almost a necessity. Like, I can either buy music from iTunes, or I can buy whatever Best Buy considers to be good music, and that means I'm listening to, like, Katy Perry or some shit. Sure. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe, maybe I'm just too much into, as Emerson would say, hipster bullshit. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I have, you know, I have a stack of NES games, I have a stack of Super NES games, like, it, it's not that I don't like my hipster bullshit, but <laughs> I just, you know, I think that it will basically give GameStop a reason to, like, piss themselves, and mm. I guess I'm kind of okay with that. Well, yeah, I'm okay with yeah. that. I think that digital distribution is really excellent, because it opens the door for indie developers in a way that wasn't previously open. Yeah, I see like that. If you, can get your, if you can get your indie game on Steam, where it'll get some visibility, people will download that shit like crazy. Yeah. But if you try if you try to make a box, you know, and like make a game to put on a shelf somewhere, you're in deep trouble. Yeah, there's a lot man. more risk, a lot more potential to lose a lot of money there. Well, and that automatically yeah. increases the price point on it, too. Like, people are willing to take a chance on, like, a $5 indie game on Steam, but you, you know, you release that same game for retail, and suddenly you gotta, you gotta charge at least 20 bucks for it. Sure. Yeah. Like, Plants vs. Zombies, the, you know, the, the first one that came out on, um, like, when, it, you know, when it came out on DS or whatever, like, that was a $20 game, which, you know, you can get the exact same game, except it has better graphics to download for, like, 8 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at, at that point, like, I... Yeah, you, like, you can get some of these, you know, new developers with great, bold new ideas, and I think that for the people who are complaining that video games are all the same now, like, that there haven't been any unique ideas in forever, like, 
try some downloadable right. titles. You know, some some people who some yeah. from some different people who have new ideas. Right. I agree. There's some amazing stuff in there, and the uh, the Steam has the pre like alpha step now. So if you want to support a game that hasn't been released yet, you can actually pay for the game and then participate in beta testing for it, which is invaluable if you're like an indie developer. Right. Yeah, for for anyone he, who doesn't have a QA department. Yeah, you want to get every you want to get as many eyeballs on your game as you can. So I think I think boxed games are except for the like deluxe packages, you know, where you get a, a figurine or something with them. I think otherwise, box games are going to go the way of the dodo. Although for someone who supports um, downloaded games so much, didn't you actually buy a retail copy of League of Legends? Yeah. No, I. Uh, I downloaded the game, but I put money into like a collector's pack with a bunch of different champions. Oh, okay. So I like I paid. I mean, I've paid them way more than this by now, but I paid thirty-five dollars just because I liked the game so much. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, that's obviously Riot's entire business model is to just make a game that's so awesome that people want to keep buying it. Now, my good man, what do you like to play? Pokemon! Pokemon! Pokemon with the pokey and the man in the thing with the guy comes out of the thing and he likes to fall out of fire. Yeah, so next month is the uh, Pokemon month. Yeah, we're going to do an episode that's all Pokemon. We're going to be talking about X and Y. And, uh, Emrys, you're also going to be doing our portable past for Pokemon Red and Blue from the original Game Boy, am I right? Yep. Yeah, so it should be all the pocket monsters that you can stand. <laughs> yeah, probably more than you can stand, in fact. I can stand a lot of pocket monster. <laughs> <laughs> that just came out completely wrong. It was probably supposed to. <sighs> yeah, it's just, you have to have about twice as many balls to capture the <laughs> critter that you're looking for. Oh my goodness. Alright, yeah, Pokemon all around. All right, and for anyone who wants to get in touch with us, we have a couple of avenues you can do that with. Uh, you can hit up our Twitter, which is at PortablePowerFM. Emrys usually mans that one, although the, um, Mark and I occasionally poke in here and there. Yeah, man is the operative word. There's also our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash portablepowerpodcast. And you can send us an email at um, portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to, um, on our website, portablepower.popularoutcasts.com, don't forget to click the Amazon banner. That uh, gives the Popular Outcasts a a cut of whatever purchase you make at no extra charge to you, and it can go to help out with with, uh, hosting costs or, you know, whatever other things they decide they may need. There, you know, there are a couple. There are a couple great guys there, and uh, help them out. And help us out. Send us beer. Yes, oh, we need we need beer yeah. to review as well as games. It's actually a really important part of our process. Or or you can send me fine scotch. No me, no me. It doesn't have to be <laughs> fine necessarily. No man, you you don't want scotch that isn't fine. I had last weekend. I had some pretty bad scotch, and it turns out bad scotch is just bad. J&B is the worst scotch in the world. Didn't have that. I forget what I had, but it was it was god-awful. I remember one time we, my friend and I were doing shots of, uh, of J&B scotch while we played World of Warcraft. Every time we died, we would take a shot, 
So we were doing Onyxia runs back when it was the the last raid boss in the whole game. Mm-hmm. We were doing death runs to finish Onyxia, and every time we died, we would take a shot. Wait, was this like Onyxia 40? Yeah. So you you guys were doing Onyxia 40 plastered. Oh, yeah. That's bound to go well. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Our guild as a whole like really couldn't handle it at that point. Mm-hmm. So we would die at least like two or three times. Yeah, that... in like in like three hours, and we would do shots every time we died, whether we got brought back to life or not. That was ridiculous. I still think fondly of that. <laughs> Probably one of my better memories of World of Warcraft, in fact. Well, there are so few of them after that, really. That's true. I mean. What are you know? What are what are your other fond memories? Getting ganked by somebody way higher level than you and then teabagged? Actually, at one point, I single-handedly wiped a forty-man raid. <laughs> what did you do? It was, in, it was in Molten Core. It was like the last guy in Molten Core. And so we all we lined up, and then they started the cinematic that brings them out of the ground. And we were all in very specific places, and we we wiped. We wiped the first time. So then we're all milling around in the room, waiting for our buffs to come back up so we could try again. And somebody goes, like, okay, take your places. And so I just went walking right by Ragnaros. Like, after he was spawned, and I totally, I triggered him. He killed me in one shot, and then he killed everyone else in the raid. So you were Leroy Jenkins. I, I was Leroy Jenkins, only I wasn't, like, charging into battle. I was just trying to get back to where I was I was supposed to go the first time around. <laughs> that was embarrassing. I'm surprised I didn't get kicked for that. Oh man. That that wasn't in your guild. That was a that was a um pug. No, that group. was that was a guild. That was a guild raid. Oh man. <laughs> Alright, well I mean this is as good a place to end as any, I think. Oh yeah. Because yeah. we're 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 a portable gaming podcast, not a World of Warcraft podcast, so that would be a totally different kettle of fish. Yeah, exactly. All right, so yeah, thanks very much for uh, joining us for our Beginner's Guide to 3DS episode. And uh, yeah, have a great night, everybody. Yeah, remember to write to us. Yes, please. All right, goodbye. Yeah, da 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 da